Assalamu alaikum, welcome back to the Dadhood Podcast. This is episode 8 with Khidr, also known as Just Another Brother on Instagram. Uh, he has three children, two of them which are twins, mashallah is the same age as me and it turns out that we have a lot of the same interests and that's what you'll see throughout this podcast. Uh, we spoke about how his journey was, finding out that he was having twins uh, and kind of what his experience has been. Also talked about the challenges that he has as a young father, a young couple who have three children, how they handled it and the different types of coping methods that they have. We spoke about some of his Instagram posts about masculinity and about the vulnerability of fathers and the amount of responsibilities they have something which kind of doesn't get discussed a lot and we expanded on that a little bit more we also spoke about his love for books he gave us some really good book recommendations and also about the kind of plight of social media how he started up his Instagram account um, and what that journey was and I shared a little bit about my own journey too um, and we ended with talking about what his vision is for his children in the next couple of years what he's really looking forward to and it turns out that he is a huge superhero fan i think you guys are going to really enjoy this we're definitely going to bring khidr back on for uh parts two three four multiple parts there's so much that me and him can discuss uh so don't forget to subscribe like this video leave a comment down below in terms of what you really enjoyed uh if you have anybody in mind that maybe should be on the dadhood podcast then you can let me know uh, and make sure you share this around. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to the Dadhood podcast. Uh, this is episode eight, I believe. Uh, and I'm here with Khidr, uh, mashallah tabarakallah, aka just another brother, uh, as he's known on Instagram. Uh, so, Khidr, let's start off with how many children do you have and how old are they? And also, how old are you? Because this is a tally chart that we have on this podcast um, where we try to find out kind of, you know, our guests, how old they are, how many kids they have. And, um, you know, the more kids, the merrier. Of course, Allah is the one that provides, but we like to create this bit competition between the brothers. Okay. Bismillah, walhamdulillah, salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah. Um, salamu alaikum and jazakallahu khairan for having me on the podcast. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm uh, 25 years old now. 25 years young, I should say. Um, and I've got three kids, alhamdulillah. Two of them are twins. Um, and one of them is uh, a singleton. Yeah. MashaAllah, MashaAllah. So you're you're beating me in the game because I'm also 25, but you got one more than me, alhamdulillah. I cheated, bro. I cheated. <laughs> alhamdulillah, Allah gave me, gave me twins instead of, uh, you know, so it, it doubled, you, you know, you get doubled the child in the same kind of pregnancy. So alhamdulillah. SubhanAllah, let's go into that actually, yeah. What was your first thoughts when you when you had twins? Because uh, I can't imagine like having that kind of you know, going to the going to the hospital, getting the ultrasound done and seeing one heartbeat but two heartbeats. How was it? It was actually hilarious, right? And me and my wife laugh about it till this day because so our, our twins were um were an unexpected surprise, alhamdulillah. Um we, I was 21 years old at the time. We just got married about maybe, maybe four months ago at that time or something like that. Wow. And my wife had just like, you know, just a few months prior turned 18. Um, so, you know, we're a fresh couple just getting to know so each other. Know. And then of course, you know, Alhamdulillah, we found out that, that my wife is pregnant. So, um, we were like, okay, cool. Alhamdulillah. We've, 
Um, and then soon we had the first appointment um, after she visited the GP. We had the first appointment to the hospital. So we went there and we're like, you know, all prepared already, kind of like mentally being like, okay, inshallah, everything's good. Everything's normal. Um, and then when we go into the sonar scan, it's, it's hilarious, right? We're looking at the screen while the, the midwife is moving the, uh, the, that little beacon around. Yeah. And yeah. then. I I see two circles and I, like in my head I'm like wait was that two and then I'm like no 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 like that that's probably just something some medical thing I don't really know about something in the body and then like <laughs> the midwife goes how many children were you expecting and I was like I was like my jaw practically dropped I was like wait wait no don't don't go there don't go there. And, then, and then and then my wife asks how many are there? And then she goes, there's two. And I was like, oh my God. Because ah! <laughs> for me, like, I'll be very honest. Yeah. Like I wasn't expecting to have children this early in our marriage. Alhamdulillah, Allah blessed us. Yeah. But so I had prepared myself. Okay. We've got one child unexpected, but Alhamdulillah, I've prepared myself. I'm mentally ready for this. Then yeah. we're told all of a sudden you've got two. And I was just like, <laughs> i was just like i was like thinking about everything but me i like to i like sometimes have things going on in my head but i keep a very calm face and yeah. for some reason at that time i actually pulled my phone out and started photographing my wife's reaction and like till now <laughs> i've got it where like she's like staring at the screen with her mouth wide open <laughs> like she's like ah and then like obviously the doctor's like telling us i'm I'm like, she's taking it all in and interacting with the midwife and stuff. And I'm just kind of like zoning in and out thinking about it. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. And <laughs> like, it didn't, it didn't properly register. And it didn't until they were born. <laughs> <laughs> you, you spent nine months just like, oh my God. Oh my God. There's going to be two. There's going to be two. Yeah. Like for me, like I've. Obviously, I'm one of the, out of all my family members that are here in the UK, we're first generation. Um, I'm the oldest cousin, so none of them have had kids. And my aunties last when they had kids, they either live really far away, so I haven't had much interaction with them. Or yeah. like, you know, they, I wouldn't see them that often. So I, I didn't have that exposure of what it's actually like to be a parent. I just kind of like, yeah. was like, oh yeah, you know, like, you know, moms look after the kids, dads go to work, dads come back um that's kind of it like you know that's easy peasy not that hard um what's the worst it could be and then like you know then i started freaking out about stuff and i'd have these kind of ups and downs throughout the pregnancy i'd sometimes be thinking yeah. about oh like you know um oh my god what about the dean what if they don't turn out to be pious what if they leave islam and then the other day i'm gonna be like oh it's gonna be so fun i'm gonna play football with them and then the next day i'm gonna be like oh my god i can't travel anywhere and then the day after that, I'd be like, oh, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to teach them how to recite Surah Al-Fatiha. And then, like, <laughs> it would be going up and down. And then, like, you know, and it never really, really settled, dawned on me until, I, until they were actually born. Um, yeah. Before that, it's just all speculation. I don't know what to expect. I don't know what fatherhood's about. I'm a 21-year-old guy who's just, like, finished an apprenticeship and is just kind of getting a job. And it's just yeah. kind of like 
trying to figure out who this person who I married is because, you know, I've only been married to her for a, a year and we're trying to still, like, work each other out and, like, get comfortable and stuff. I mean, we were very comfortable, but, like, you know, get to know your partner and stuff deeply on a deep level. Yeah. So while we're trying to do that, we also, like, had two kids at the same time. And then, so, yeah, alhamdulillah, it was it was a journey, I'd say. And till now, sometimes I look back at it with my wife and I'm like, what was the first year like? Do you remember the first year? And then so we, we just talk, we just laugh. She says, have you forgotten how hard it was? Have you forgotten the sleepless nights? I'm like, I don't remember sleepless nights. And she was like, all those like, you know, all those sleepless nights probably like, you know, gave me memory loss or something. <laughs> She's like, I remember them though. <laughs> she remembers them, but she, if she was given the option of having twins again, she probably would. Wow. Yeah. Twins bring a different kind of perspective to parenting. I think, alhamdulillah, we were blessed with, I mean, first of all, my wife always wanted twins. She always made dua of having twins before she, wow, she okay, before we even got married. That's interesting. She's always just loved the idea of having twins and twin boys okay. as well. So I always say to her, you know, Allah, Allah, listen to your dua. SubhanAllah. Um, and me being someone who knew nothing about parenting, like, I didn't know what it meant to be a parent. I never researched the topic. I just kind of knew that parenting is something that everyone has to do when they have a kid. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So like when I was, I feel like I was, Allah kind of put me in the deep end when he gave me two children um, straight away. And I find that as a blessing because it did, you know, it did push my patience. Because, you know, you're, you, you've got, I'm getting slack at work because I'm sleep deprived and going to work and making mistakes on, in the office, which I'm getting told off for. I'm coming home and my wife needs help as well because naturally she's got twins. So, she, mm -hmm. she, you know, she needs to tap out sometimes and I have to tap in. Of course. And then at the, the same time, you, then I've got sleepless nights. And then I'm also trying to, uh, me, I'm someone who loves to study, study the dean and stuff. So... I'm trying to do that at the same time. And it's just like I was firing on all cylinders at the same time. And that was hard for me. But at the same time, you know, many blessings came with it. Um, it what did you do during that time to keep yourself motivated? Because I can imagine how mentally draining that can be, right? You're young. You're just trying to get your career 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 started uh, you you unexpectedly got two babies instead of one um you know and you you i mean i'm guessing obviously at that time your wife's not working uh or, or you know she's she's kind of just staying at home and taking care of the kids right that's that's her primary role at that time so uh you know you have to make sure you're giving her some time because all she's doing is speaking to babies the whole day she needs some you know interaction when you get home but when you get home you're tired and then the next day you know you're taking care of the kids in the evening as well and the next day you're going to work that cycle like you said you know it was just going on and on or shooting out all cylinders you know that phrase that you used i i don't i don't i don't really know these kind of british phrases man um but uh anyway the point being is i want to know how you handled it what did you do to help your you motivate yourself and keep your mental health strong throughout all of that I definitely say it wasn't easy. Um, I would say that there were ups and downs. I don't think that I did. So while my wife was pregnant, 
and while after in the first year after the kids I, I don't think that I personally as a husband did as good a job as I should have in terms of um, ensuring that uh, both of our mental well-beings were looked after for me I was a new husband I was still trying to figure out what a husband does so for me it was just kind of like oh yeah you look after the kids I'm gonna yeah. I tried to help as much as I could um, and I did in the nights I would help as much as I could um, yeah but at the same time we were still new in each other's lives so we we're still trying to figure a lot of stuff out so mental health wise me and me and my wife we both kind of had different battles um, especially when she was by herself and you know I went to work and she was still um, still at home with the kids and it was hard for her looking after two kids and as as well as that she was kind of still you know one year into marriage she, she still wanted to clean the house be the perfect housewife so she had all that expectation and she's trying to juggle twins so yeah. you know it was a battle for her as well and I, I till now feel like I could have supported her much better than um, I did at the time at that time my my focus was all right I need to make sure that the roof on this house stays I need to focus on my work because I was that first year I got so much slack from work like I was almost fired a couple of times I feel just wow. because uh, just because I was making silly mistakes with clients like you know I wasn't uh, finishing jobs the way they should have done the quality of my work had decreased and naturally it was partly because I was sleep deprived and you know sleeping like three or four hours partly it was because I was super um, exhausted which is linked to the sleep deprived but obviously yeah. when I would get home like you said I'm trying to support my wife and we're still trying to make time for each other um, yeah but saying saying that saying that I do think that one of the things that really benefited and helped us um, was to kind of like communicate with each other what our needs are so I communicated mm -hmm. to her that look my career is failing and I need to make sure that this family like you know has like income coming in because um, London's not cheap to live in as you know um, so, I, <laughs> so I was like focused dead set that I can't get fired I need to work harder and stuff so I started focusing more on my career um, she communicated to me that, you know, she needs a bit more help. So we tried to work around each other. Sometimes some things worked, sometimes they didn't. It was a bit of trial and error here and there. Um, one thing that helped, though, because we were still newly married, was that we lived practically next door. Um, well, we more or less lived with my in-laws. So my, my okay. wife's uh, parents. So they had an extension to their house in which we lived in. Um, and that really helped because her mom, her sister, her dad, when they could, they would take the kids from us and give us a bit of a break. And we also managed to make time for each other that way by um, making sure we um, invested in date nights. Like, you know, we'd organize beforehand someone to take the kids or watch the kids. And then we'd go out for, for a meal together. We might go out for dessert or something like that and just have that kind of one on one time. And that really yeah. helped. That really helped. I think, um, I think it was much more different and our, when we had our second child um, because our communication had increased. We knew each other a lot better. So when it came to... Is that how you guys do it? The two are one package and the other one is the second child? Because I would have <laughs> said third child. <laughs> we kind of treat it like that. But in all honesty, sometimes I feel like they're triplets. 
because the, <laughs> the, the youngest one, he is so mischievous and so sharp that he's caught, learned a lot from the older two. And he yeah. acts like he's one of them. He jumps on them, tries to fight them. He wrestles them. Everything they get. So if we buy, <laughs> if we buy age one toys for the youngest one and we buy three plus toys for the older two, he will not play with what he got. He wants to play with what they got and he wants to play with them. So <laughs> <laughs> he thinks he's one of them. That's what we say. We're, they're triplets, really. Mashallah, mashallah. So you got you got three you got you got three for the price of one now. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. No, I, so just going back a bit, I think it is so important to have your family around. Like for me, that was you know the biggest blessing was uh, being able to have family close by. You know to help us out, aunties, uncles, mum You know, uh, even my 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 brother, my sister, just being able to say you know hey can you look after them for a little bit to give us a bit of a break and just to know that you know we don't have to go through that alone and i think it's becoming kind of a rising trend where people are becoming distant from their families and and not having that close connection with having in-laws around and having your family members around involved in your own life with 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 your children um and i feel like people who are going down that road are losing out big time right like from our own experiences we can see how much it has helped you know not just um the not not just the obvious thing which is the relationship between your children and their grandparents their aunties and you know and whatnot um but even for the couple, for the husband and the wife, being able to take that mental break, being able to get time to, to each other, because that is going to be the thing which uh, develops your relationship further, allows you to continue going. It's kind of like a pit stop, right? Like F1 cars, I don't only watch F1, but F1 cars, they need that pit stop once in a while in order to keep going in the race and to, to go faster and to, to kind of do better again i don't watch f1 so i don't know how it all works yeah but um i kind of i think that analogy works right because then that means in that you know even if it's an hour two hours that you get to spend with each other away from the children that two hour investment away from the children is going to go back to the children because that's going to help bond the husband and wife better that's going to help you guys feel like yeah you can keep going you can motivate yourselves to keep going and I mean, I don't know how it is for you, but usually we try to keep the discussion away from like the kids and stuff. We try to just like, uh, you know, talk about other things, but naturally you're going to talk about your children. And when those conversations happen, they're really important conversations and you don't really get time to have those conversations in terms of reflections upon your children and where you're at other than the time that you spend with each other because all the other time is changing nappies and chasing them around and, and all that kind of stuff, right? So when are you going to get the time to really evaluate how things are going? It's going to be when you have that break. So I found that to be like so, so important for myself and I can see how, how that's helped uh, you as well. I definitely agree. I think, and I've said this to my wife many times that, um, and I use use my my hobbies as an example. I say that, if we prioritize ourselves first and make sure that we're in the right mental state of mind, then we're in a position where we can then support everyone else and give to everyone else. 
if our yeah. own mental state of mind is bad, then we, then how are we going to be able to support our children, our our spouses? It becomes really hard. And I I gave this analogy. We were we were financially quite tight um, um, in the early years of our marriage. Naturally, you know, young couple, um, kids and stuff, young kids and stuff. And there's a lot of expenses, um, you know, nappies and all of that kind of stuff. And double double of everything, literally. Um, oh yeah, of course. I'm just thinking about one, but I keep forgetting. You got you literally have a whole double, like the food, the the clothing, everything. Double buggies are way more expensive than normal buggies, bro. I'll tell you that. Oof, I can't <laughs> but, um, imagine. So so we we had all of that on our head, and but I was insistent that I wanted to study the dean and not stop my classes because that's something that I do that mentally relaxes me i mentally relax mm -hmm. by studying um i i watch tv and i play playstation and stuff but i don't do that as much as i study and the amount of relaxation and sakina and tranquility that i get from studying i don't get from anything else so my wife once said to me that she's like look we're really tight isn't it better just to kind of delay your studies maybe do it next year let's skip this year and stuff I, and I kind of straight out said that, look, I can't do that because I know where I will be mentally if I stop this. I know that I won't be happy. And if I'm not happy, then it will have a negative effect on you and the kids. And I need this for me. So I said, look, I will, I will not, I will not have any lunch money. I won't, I won't take any lunch money to eat out. I won't go out with my friends and spend on anything i won't buy clothes for a year or something but i need this this is important and even now my wife like we have discussions where now that she has three of them and they're all practically toddlers and they're all crazy when they're awake like they're <laughs> running around like they're practically like all over the walls the little spider-man so <laughs> um i i pray like i tell my wife that you need breaks you need breaks and so like we yeah. do our best to facilitate times for each other to kind of switch off and like i i'll one day take all three of the kids and go to my mom's house and say look you chill at home invite your friends around have a nice like girl party or whatever yeah and then and then like just have that time to yourself um and it's helped it it definitely helps no that's that's amazing that's, it's exactly what needs to happen you know having something to escape away uh, and it's not like you're doing it because you hate your role as a father you know you you wouldn't be coming on this podcast if you if you did hate that or you wouldn't have your instagram page which we'll go into soon uh if, if you did hate that uh, it's just making sure that you have some sort of mental space away and 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 the mothers need that too maybe even more right um to to, to be able to, to to function uh but it's interesting that it's studying that is that thing for you because people would say that well especially islamic studies is gonna be intense it's gonna be something which is gonna require a lot of brain power it's gonna require a lot of focus and energy uh, but you're saying that that is a mental break rather than something which is strenuous. Yeah, because for me, like, look, don't get me wrong. I love I'm, I'm addicted to superhero movies. So I love my Marvel and DC <laughs> stuff. Um, I love watching anime. And Who's I your do... favorite superhero? Oh, Marvel or DC, bro. Oh, OK. Go for Marvel first. Marvel, it would have to be 
it would have to be my childhood superhero that I've loved since I was a kid, Spider-Man. Like Spider-Man. There, there, there are better options. There are cooler superheroes and stuff, but like Iron Man, I really like Iron Man, but Spider-Man is like who I've kind of been loyal to since three. So yeah, standard, standard. Come on, nobody, nobody can take that away from a from a nineties kid. Yeah, of course, bro. Of course. <laughs> and then as for DC, I'm I'm a hardcore Batman fan. Hardcore. Yeah, I I I didn't think you would say anything other than that. I think those are quite quite um standard answers. Spider Man, Batman. They're very standard. But the thing is, I've actually read a lot of the Batman comics and like all nice. the lore and stuff. Um, but more than Batman, I actually like Joker because I just I'm really fascinated with his men the way he thinks like I just think Joker is so awesome in in not in a kind of dark movies I only like the Batman comics that are dark I don't like the ones that are very kind of like smiley smiley and happy Batman let's go Robin let's defeat those but yeah (laughs) um so I I was saying previously like you know I, I love doing all of that and I do get more of a I would say that I would say that it's easier to relax to those things more. But the thing is when I started practicing the deen, I've kind of fell in love with it through seeking knowledge. Um and since then any time I stop seeking knowledge, I feel like this emptiness like right in my chest. Like I feel I feel not comfortable. I feel because I I naturally forget what I learn. So if I'm constantly learning, I'm less likely to forget. But the moment I've taken gaps, and I have taken gaps, like when I got married, um, my whole schedule got interrupted because I'm a very kind of set routine guy. I like to have things in a regimented schedule. I'm not someone who likes to be spontaneous or anything like that. So I'm a bit boring. Um, but, (laughs) But when I got married, obviously your schedule goes out the window and you start making a new one. So and when you have three kids, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. So there were there were two years where I missed out on seeking knowledge, and I those two years I would like I felt this emptiness in my heart that whenever I'd be playing video games or um, watching anime, I have this voice in my head saying like, "You're gonna die soon. What are you gonna do? What are you planning for your akhirah? Is this is this video game helping your akhirah?" Is Batman or Superman going to save you from the fire of fire of a uh, fire of a uh, hell? No. So I would just be like, no, I need to do something that is productive. So mm. even if it's just reading an Islamic book that's really basic, but it makes me it boosts me full of iman, or even if it's reading the Sirah of the Prophet وسلم, or anything, it's just it keeps that it keeps my heart alive. If that makes sense. I know it's sounding yeah. all poetic and stuff, but that that's how I genuinely feel when it comes to seeking knowledge. I don't feel like knowledge needs me. Like I'm going to be some big reviver that's going to, you know, save people from, you know, whatever. I'm going to start a big movement to revive Islam. I'm, I'm, I seek knowledge because I need it. I need the knowledge. Without it, I, I'm lost. And I'm really, my number one fear is, more than the fear of losing my kids, losing my wife, losing anything, is losing my deen. And that, that motivates me to seek knowledge above all else. And the second thing that motivates me is that maybe by me being so stringent in seeking knowledge, my children will look at this 
and they'll be like you know dad was really stringent on seeking knowledge or knowing about the deen we should be too and it um and the third thing and I'll, I'll i'll let you carry on from this point that i every friday i think about the verse in surah al-kahf um where where the where khidr repairs the wall and the orphans their wealth um was secured because khidr repaired the wall and allah says in the quran وَكَانَ أَبُوهُمَا صَالِحًا Like, their father was pious. So because yeah. their father was pious, was a pious man, Allah protected those orphans. So I fear one day maybe I might die and my children will be young and they won't have me around. But maybe, just maybe, if I, if I fall into the books of some good guy who was semi-pious or anything, maybe, just maybe, Allah might protect them just because I did this action. So I think about this every Friday and it really motivates me to be the best I can for my kids. SubhanAllah, that's an amazing mindset. That, that I, I love that. It's, it's just so powerful. And I never paid any attention to it until I had kids, to be honest. I did, I, you know, you read Surah Kaf every Friday, you know, all the multitude of stories that are in Surah Kaf, you know, and, but, you know that particular one and it's only it's only it's such a tiny part of surah kaf it's just that it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't go further than that that's that's all you know khidr just says you know that's that's what that's the reason why i did that and that's it right and it moves on to the next thing and so you don't really pay attention to it but it's it's amazing and you know now that i become a father i do try to look at the quran and sunnah and see what guidance there is for fathers and there there is only a few things um available to fathers that are direct advices there's obviously like a whole encompassing thing in terms of the responsibility of parents towards children and whatnot and there's there's so many different um indirect advices you can take from the quran that can help you in that but in terms of direct things to fathers in the quran and sunnah there's, there's there's a limited number but the limited number that is there are powerful and that's like like I would say top of the list, man, um, uh, that ayah there is, 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 is powerful, super powerful. So speaking about seeking knowledge, you recently put on your Instagram that your bookshelf is full. So I've got two questions for you. The first one is what you're going to do about the space, bro. Are you going to get a new bookshelf or are you going to give away some more books? <laughs> <laughs> Giveaways, bro. Giveaways. Um, I don't mind giving away books, but only if it's books that, um, I'm happy to let go of. I have a deep attachment with my books. Like since I, I was a young, <laughs> since I was a young child, my mom said to me, um, I wasn't practically a popular kid at school, um, so I didn't have that many friends. But my mom would always say to me, "Make books your friends. Books will will always like kind of like help you." So for me, I would just come home and I wouldn't go out and stuff. I would just sit there reading novels after novels, um, and I'd just be enamored with my books. So I, f I form a kind of personal relationship with books. So <laughs> I, I don't do that that's, many giveaways, but inshallah, I will do giveaways, even if that means buying new books for people. But in terms of space, because I'm always buying books and I always tell people I did, a, I did an Instagram live called um, how to read a book. And in that live, I actually mentioned um, buying books and reading them are two separate hobbies. So just because someone has a massive bookshelf, don't assume he's read every book on there or remembers what's in that book. Um, because people often assume that with me. I, I buy a lot of books, but I might just read three chapters in there because the rest of it I kind of am familiar with, but I only am interested in 
three chapters. Or if you buy like a hadith book that's like 10 volumes long, people use that for referencing, right? I use it for referencing just to check something up. I don't go through every single hadith front to finish, although that would be amazing. Um, so yeah, definitely I am buying a bookshelf, inshallah, um, more bookshelves, and there will be plenty more books that I'll be buying. I actually have, have like four or five book reviews that I'm writing up as well. Just Ramadan has come in, so really busy with my work at ELM. So um, once, once Ramadan dies down, I'm going to start posting a bit more often on Instagram, inshallah, with those book reviews. Wicked, that'll be really good. I'm looking forward to, to the book reviews. I think I, I, I really enjoy reading uh, uh, book reviews and I'm planning to do a couple of book reviews myself on, on some parenting books. Um, so, I'm, I, you know, I'm just trying to find the time to, to kind of go through a few and um, write some book reviews. I've not really done book reviews in the past. I'm, you know, I do like reading. You see my bookshelf behind me. It's not as big as yours, uh, but I am running out of space. As you can see, I'm using the like in-between space to just put books as like, as like, you know, horizontal uh, and just try and stack them up. So I'm going to have to get another bookshelf very, very soon. Um, but yeah, I, I am looking, I, I want to try and do some book reviews. So it'd be good to read some of yours. Um, <clears throat> Looking at your, I don't know if you can, if your shelf is in front of you, if that's in another room, but you probably mem you probably know all your books are on your shelf anyway. Um, can you pick out your top three favorite books that you have on your shelf at the moment? And what are they? That, that is such a difficult question. I've prepared, I've, <laughs> I've, I've thought about it for a while, but it's such a difficult question. Whenever someone says that, what's your top favorite books? I'm just like, like you're you're asking a man with three bookshelves to ask you to pick out three tiny books. I'm not boasting or anything like that, but it genuinely becomes a dilemma for me. Um, so usually I say look narrow it okay, down. Okay, let's by... let's say let's say a book that had a significant impact on you. I've I've actually bought <laughs> four books out here myself, so I'm going to share those with you, and oh, they nice. are books, okay, all yeah. books that have had significant impact on me. So that's a good good criteria for it. Um, and you said three, but I've got four, so okay, I, I, I could I couldn't I couldn't leave one of them out. So the first one I wanted to bring out was I'm not sure if you can see the cover, yes. but it's but it's called um, the Invocations of God, and it's a translation of a book uh, called Al Wabil Al Sayyib um, by Ibn Al Qayyim Al Jawziya. Um, who was a, the main student of um, Sheikh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah. Um, and it's, basic, it's an amazing translation. And he essentially goes into uh, the benefits of remembering Allah, how we remember Allah, the adab of remembering Allah, like doing dhikr. And you think that, okay, this sounds like a very casual book, but the language and the perspectives that the author brings is like mind-changing. It's like, you read this and you genuinely are ready to just, you just want to do dhikr all the time. And your mindset towards doing dhikr changes because a lot of people think that dhikr is just, oh, let me get tasbih out and let me just say alhamdulillah like a hundred times. It's not just that. There's a lot of the dabbur involved. Even just looking at the trees and like saying, subhanAllah, that is dhikr. Um, you know, looking at your spouse and thinking, wow, Allah created her so beautiful for me. That, that's, that's dhikr. Remembering Allah in whatever you see around you, that is dhikr. And dhikr becomes That's a lifestyle. It's very romantic, mashallah. Is, <laughs> uh, you know, are Willie you just Brown saying that because your wife's there? She's, is she watching you right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm sure she'll watch this back and I'll win some brownie points for it. <laughs> Tactics, I like it. 
So uh, I'll go over a couple other books quickly. Um, so the next one is Saviors of the Islamic Spirit by Sheikh Abul Hassan Ali Nadwi, who is the teacher of my Sheikh. Um, and this book is essentially about, it's a translation by White Thread Press. And it basically talks about how um, in times of strife and hardship where the Ummah was really suffering, how Allah sent people who essentially revived the deen and bought, carried the banner of Islam forward. So it gives examples such as Hassan al-Basri, Imam Ahmad, um, you know, Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, the, the Khalifa of the Umayyads. You've got um, Salahuddin al-Ayyubi, and it even has a whole chapter dedicated to what the Mongols did to the Muslim world and how the Muslim world, how people thought it was Qiyamah, but the Muslim world recovered from that. So I think about in modern times, there's so many depressing things we read about what's happening in the Muslim world. This kind of like inspires me to say that, no, this deen is in safe hands. It is Allah's deen and he will, he will make sure that it carries forward. Amazing. The next book that I got is um, by Imam al-Ghazali um, called Ayyuhal Walid, um, Letter to a Disciple. Nice. And it's literally a really short book, like in all honesty, like less than 100 pages. Um, and it's an excellent translation. Um, and it's essentially just advice about how to live your life as a seeker of knowledge, the attitude you should have to life, which is that, you know, knowledge shouldn't be sought. In short, it's advices that to a student Knowledge shouldn't be sought for the wrong purposes. Why are you seeking? All of this kind of stuff should be taken into account. And lastly, it is probably a, a seerah book that really brought me close to the Prophet wasallam, And it is um, called Muhammad, uh, His Life Based on the Earliest Sources by Martin Lings, who is a Muslim, uh, who is a British convert um, to Islam. Um, and he write the reason that I really like the Sirah is because it's not the first Sirah book I read, but it's just so readable. Like anyone can pick it up, whether you're a teenager or whether you're an academic and you could read it and the language just flows so beautifully. Um, so yeah, it's an inspiring, really good place to start if someone wanted to read a book on the Sirah. Zakharakhir for bringing those recommendations, man. I know, you know, it's not exactly related to our dadhood podcast, but I had to ask personally because, you know, I, I, I do love reading books and uh, I need to make sure that I add those to my reading list, inshallah. I, I, I think I think definitely, I mean, um, the first the first two I wasn't familiar with, so that's good for me to know. The other two, I think, are classics that most people should know. Uh, I haven't yet read them, but yes, I will definitely. After this especially, I'm going to add it to my reading list. And uh, I'll, I'll let you know what I think as well, inshallah. <laughs> inshallah. I, look, bro, I want to talk about your Instagram page, because that's obviously where I have seen all of these things seeing your your love for books your love for seeking knowledge that's where i came across um your yourself really that's where we kind of first interacted was instagram um and kind of seeing your journey seeing what you post about fatherhood seeing what you post about being a husband um and obviously kind of uh, studying and, and and things like that but what i want to start with first is where did the idea come from to start that kind of page? And I know that your wife also has quite an active page in terms of speaking about herself as a mother. Um, so it'd be interesting to know kind of, was that a decision you made as a couple? Was that she started first or you started first? 
Uh, and why did you want to document some of these things? Because mashallah, it has kind of caught a lot of people's attention and it's growing steadily as well. Uh, and it's good to see. It's good to see for me personally. You know, I want to, everybody wants to go on social media and see people that they can relate to. And especially if you have, if you enjoy maybe more niche topics, right? Like, you know, fatherhood or seeking knowledge or, you know, these kind of things are more niche topics that you're not going to find just any Ahmed or any John speaking about. You, you know, there's going to be very few accounts about this. So I think it'll be interesting to know where that started from. Okay, yeah, so I'll be very honest. Me as a person, if you asked me maybe about two years ago, I was so skeptical of social media, I practically hated it. Um, and one of the reasons <laughs> I hated it, it was just like, one, there's just so much fitna on there, so much rubbish on there. There's so many people that have been corrupted by social media, like go on. And we know all the stories about influencers who started off doing Islamic content and then they suddenly like the fame got to them and all of that kind of stuff. So I remember... When I was starting off as a student of knowledge, the one, one advice that all my teachers said is like, don't, don't turn into an Instagram chef. Don't turn into a Facebook chef that like you think you know something. And, so, <laughs> and they were like, fear, fear Allah with regards to what you say. So I would always, even in times where I knew that I might be saying the right thing, I'd be really scared about saying it because I was like, what if I say something wrong and it affects someone's life? What if I become famous and then I become... Uh, you know, I go crazy and like, like you know, lose, lose my dean and go off the rails. And I was terrified of these things. So when my wife, she started her Instagram page up first and her page was more for, she was naturally as a first time mom, um, she just had the twins. She, she didn't have that much interaction with people um, and she needed a place to vent about motherhood and stuff. Um, there was many things that bothered her. For example, a lot of people would treat motherhood as if it's just like, oh, you're just a mom. Like, oh, you don't yeah. have a full-time job. Like, oh, you're, oh, she's just a mom. Like, oh, she's just a housewife. So my wife would get really irritated about those things. So she, she started the page in order to kind of combat that kind of perception. And then Alhamdulillah, it grew really quick. And I, I was fully supportive of that. Um, and then when she kept on saying to me, look, like me and her have a lot of deep heart-to-heart -heart conversations. Um, so she, like, I would say certain things to her about fatherhood, about studying, about stuff. And she would be like, you know what, you should start a page and this would be really good. People really like to learn about this. I'm like, and then I'd say to her, like, who am I? Like, what have I got to say that people don't already <laughs> know? And then I'd be like, no, I, I'm like, you know, students of knowledge shouldn't be on social media. What if I start getting too big for my boots and stuff like that? Um, who's going to rein me in? And my wife was like, don't worry, I'll rein you in. I'll, any like time your head gets too big, I'll make sure I pop it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I was still skeptical until one day, like my wife would like share messages with me about people who are really positively affected by her social media page. Um, yeah. And then I started thinking about it. And then like, I had the idea that a few months before I started, I was like, maybe I'll start a blog about how I became a student of knowledge and how my journey is going. So anyone else that wants to do that, go down that road, they can do it. And my wife's like, yeah, yeah, do it. But then I never did because I was still too scared. Okay. And then one day, like my wife was like, look, she sat me down and she was like, I really think you should do it. And if you do it, I will edit your pictures for you. I will run your account. You just do it. You just write everything. Um, and I was like, let me think about it. And then I started speaking to some of the shayukh that I knew, knew some of like the 
some of my mentors and stuff and I said, look, what do you think about this? And they were like, as long as you hold yourself accountable and you rein yourself in and stay in your lane, it's not a problem. And if you feel like you can benefit people, then do it. So then that's that's kind of where it started. My wife inspired me to do it. She was the one with the first idea. She was the one that, you know, I'm a very boring, routine, regimented guy. She's the one like that bursting with creativity and ideas. Let's do this. Let's do that. Um, I'm the one that's like, I'm the pragmatist. I'm like, mm, will it work? Will it not work? I'm always the one bursting bubbles or poking holes in things. She's the one that's like, no, no, let's just do it. Let's just see how it goes. So Alhamdulillah, if if anyone's benefited my from my page, I think that like, you know, there's a lot of the reward does go back to her. Um, that's amazing. I think uh, I've had a very, very, very similar experience. That's really interesting. You know, my uh, my wife wanted to start up an Instagram page herself first for the same reason, right? She felt like she didn't have many people that she could relate to, given her age being so young, given that she she's a young mother, uh, given that she had to kind of give up university, uh, give up kind of any potential career that comes out from that degree um, to focus on motherhood. And, you know, she would say the same things that your wife said, you know, that, you know, we know motherhood is such a great thing, but why is it treated as this kind of lowly thing? And so she wanted to go on and kind of change people's perceptions and then the same thing happened i would have conversations with her and we would we would be like you know maybe we sh i should do something or put something out like that and i, I and i i had the same reaction that you had it's like oh you know who's gonna hit, listen to me or will it really work and do i want to be that person and i spent my wife was really encouraging me for a long time to to start something like this a project like dadhood right um and i think i spent maybe I don't know, three, four months or something, just doing istikhara like every other day, really worrying about whether that's going to be a good thing for me to do or not. Uh, speaking to people, shayukh, uh, etc., older brothers, um, you know, just kind of, I was I was really put put off with the whole idea of being on social media because I had, I had social media before when I was younger. Um, when I was a teenager and going into university and stuff, I had it. And... Um, you know, the reason why I, I closed off my social media is because I found that there was just too much fitness on there. And, uh, and, and that, that when I got married, I said to myself that I'm not having none of this. And so for a very long time, for about four years or something, I had no social media at all. And now we're thinking about trying to bring it back. And I, w I was really like uncomfortable with that idea. Uh, but then you know, my wife kept on convincing, you know, it's a good idea. Everything that you said, kind of same, same sort of arguments happened and uh, not arguments, but discussions. And, um, uh, just, yeah, finally made the decision to, to be like, I, you know, I do think that I have something that can benefit people. And as long as I stay in my lane, like you said, like, I'm not going out there to give fatawa to people on how to parent. I'm not going out there to uh, give expertise. I don't have any degrees in parenting or child psychology or certificates in this, that, whatnot. You know, there's other brothers out there like Mashallah Nurbai uh, from Involved Fathers, right? He's amazing. He's got the qualifications. He can go out there and tell you what is wrong with your parenting and what is right with your parenting and exactly what you need to be doing. I didn't want to be that person to come out and do that. What I wanted to bring to people was... I didn't see somebody like ourselves out there uh, giving people like us information before they've started that journey. Like one of my, one of my friends, he literally just had um, a boy 
And he was like, Zakakhair for starting your podcast before my wife gave birth because I've been watching it and listening to it. And now I've got a good idea of what I'm going to be going through, basically. And that's what I wanted because I never really had that. I had alhamdulillah good brothers around me, elder brothers that would give me some advice, but not everybody has that. And uh, and I've already mentioned like on multiple other podcasts and on, on my own that I didn't grow up with my dad either. So that meant that I didn't have a great understanding of what it meant to have that father-child relationship. So I wanted to make sure that other people can, kind of had that. But the journey towards that was very similar to kind of you and your wife and, and the things that you guys discussed. It's like they say, like um, behind every great man is a is a equally or greater woman, right? So, yeah yeah exactly like my, my wife does <laughs> my wife does like exactly what you said she's the one that edits my instagram post she's the one that reminds me hey i need a caption from you look at this picture is that a good picture yeah okay all right caption this picture for me if she's gone on like canva and made all these different graphics like oh, pe- people Allah. are probably thinking that i'm the one that's i didn't create this logo this logo was created by my wife um, the name dadhood you know, my wife was the one that kind of inspired it. Like we discussed it together, but we, she inspired it. The Instagram post that I put out, it all comes from her, man. So she, she's going to get the reward of, of, of all of this, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. It's alhamdulillah. true. One of the things about social media is that I, I would look at and see how much the youth, especially like I've got younger cousins, right? Cousins that are like just now starting high school and stuff. Um, and I'm seeing how much they're watching these influencers and I'd see like these really popular Muslim influencers who weren't necessarily on the Dean, but they were like saying things on behalf of the Dean that I was later hearing that was being regurgitated by younger, by like younger people that I know. And I was like, all these people are listening to them. Um, all my younger cousins and I'd be like, oh, why don't you listen to this scholar? Why don't you listen to Sheikh Yasser Qadi or Sheikh Akram Nadwi or Imam Omar Suleiman or, uh, you know, like, why don't you listen to these scholars instead? And then the, naturally the youth are just like, oh, yeah, like, you know, that's not what they're into. <laughs> they're, they're into their YouTube influences and stuff like that. Yeah. So my wife would bring up all the time that she, she's one of the reasons, same as what your wife said, that there's no one to relate to that's practicing on social media. Like, there's not as many people. So my wife, like, that inspired her. And for the same reason, she pushed me and saying, look, it's only going to inspire other people if you stay good. And inshallah, other yeah. people like, you know, if you make the right friends, hang out in the right circles and keep close to your teachers. If you ever do go off the rails or do something, your teachers and friends will spot it before you even realize and they'll pull you up on it. Um, so Alhamdulillah, it's true, man. Social media is one of those one of those things that I, I it's scary, but there's a lot of benefit to it if you do it right. Yeah. And I thought I find that your page is very real, um, and there's there's you, you always kind of keep it keep it real. You you kind of let people know, um, you know what they need to know in terms of the whole truth. It's not just about glorifying your life or giving you know the best highlights of your life. It's about having you know some real conversations with with people who are following you. There were two posts that really stood out to me that you posted recently. Um, one of them was uh, you posted recently about masculinity you said that men men don't cry right that's how you started it off and you you kind of expanded and explained your reasoning so i i want you to 
give us a bit more uh, of an understanding of that that Instagram post like what what inspired it and if you can expand on some of your points that you included in there okay so um that was a very uh, loaded um sorry I'm just gonna bring it up in front of me so that I yeah. have it in, so that I have it in front of me um and it makes it much easier so um what inspired that post really was that me and my wife would often have this conversation, like I started off in the post, that she she had this thing that um, me as a person, I'm just like, I'm I'm a good communicator, alhamdulillah. I'm, I'm good with people, alhamdulillah. And I'm not saying that to boast or anything, but I'm not someone who's an overly emotional person. Um, and I would not, um, when I'm happy, I show I'm happy and everything, but I'm not like someone who's overtly like tears of joy, that kind of, but I've just never been like that. So my wife wasn't like this, like, why don't, why haven't you cried in front of me? Um, and like, you know, so, some like her friends would be like, oh yeah, my husband cried at the birth of our child. And I, I wrote a post about that as well, that I didn't cry at the birth of my child. And this is why I didn't cry. <laughs> Neither <laughs> but, did I. My wife asked me the same thing and... I just didn't like, it's not like I wasn't happy. Oh, I was overjoyed, but <laughs> I'm not going to be like, ah! <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Cause I just think like, all right, I'll be honest throughout my whole childhood. I never saw my dad cry once. He was a very loving person. He was a very soft person, but he never cried in front of me. Never. I've never seen him cry in my childhood. Um, so maybe that's where it comes from. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but for me, it just was like, I, I cry privately to Allah in my du'as, I cry. But I hate crying in front of anyone. Like, And I can't cry in front of anyone. Like, If I'm in a mas masjid and there's like really nice recitation and I'm understanding the meaning and I'm really in the emotion, I might shed a few tears, but that's, a, that's like as far as it goes. So my wife was really in like this kind of thing that, oh, you need to cry. Like, why haven't you cried in front of me? And she would ask me often and I'd just be like, you know what? It's just not me. But when I've come, what ins really inspired this post was this whole discussion on what is, what is like masculine and what is defined as masculine. And I, I talk about two extremes in this post. I talk about you've got as a reaction to the effeminization of men due to certain liberal movements where you have now this kind of erasure of de gender as a whole concept. And now you've got men wearing makeup and walking around in, you know, skirts and tights and dressing up as women, which we know is obviously imitating women in our religion as haram. Um, you've got, as a response to that, you've got these red pill, macho, masculine guys that are all about that kind of like, to be a man, you've got to have like giant biceps and you've got to be driving a motorcycle and, you know, like you got to be the man, you got to tell the woman what to do. Um, you know, there's that kind of attitude. You don't raise the kids, the mom raises the kids, you go do what you need to do. You just make sure the house is provided for. And then you get the other, complete other side of it, which is that like, you know, there's no difference between men and women that like, you know, that whole effeminization of it, you similarly have a kind of thought behind, um, with some Muslim movements where they're like, um, there's no difference like you know men and women can do the same things both men and women should go work both men and women should have equal levels of uh responsibilities in everything in every task 
there's no difference between them when we know islamically that that's not necessarily true either so with yeah. that with that um whole post i kind of wanted to refocus that that first of all all of this masculinity talk lies directly in the middle it's not either or it's more a combination of the two and it's not it's it's not a black and white subject like for and i give this example right we know Omar ibn al-Khattab was like what we would define as like the macho man. Like he was big, he was strong, he was a warrior. People were scared of him, but he was solid on his deen. Like everyone's like, wow, like in a battle, you wouldn't want to meet him on in, in, in a battle, right? Um, and and people would often say, yeah, he's a man. And they would try to model, model themselves on him, which is, mashallah, a good thing to do. But you know who else was a man? There was a Sahaba by the name of Hassan ibn Thabit, who was um, in the Battle of Khandaq, I believe. He was too scared to hold a sword. When he would hold a sword, he would start shivering. He couldn't fight, like he'd get scared. And to the point where he was the, he was the only man, I believe, that had, or one of the only men that had to go sit with the women and children during battle. Because he couldn't fight. And the Prophet ﷺ didn't like, you know, slate him for that. The Prophet ﷺ understood that, okay, it's in his nature, nature that he's like this. But he defended the way, he defended the Prophet ﷺ in a way that Umar ibn al-Khattab couldn't at the same level. And that was through his poetry. When the uh, the Kufar Quraysh, like, you know, sent their worst, like, best poets to go attack the character of the Prophet ﷺ, and attack the Sahaba and attack Islam. The Prophet ﷺ sent Hassan ibn Thabit. He didn't send Abu Bakr or Omar or Khalid ibn Walid or any of these other guys who we look up to so fervently and we should look up to them. I'm not saying we shouldn't. But Hassan ibn Thabit was sent forward to give a response to the Quraysh. And like, you know, for, for lack of a better term, he destroyed them lyrically. Like in terms of his poetry, like the Quraysh like were shook. They like had no response to what he had to say. But he was a man too. And I tried to I tried to illustrate this in my post that we when we talk about masculinity, we need to understand that one, it's not a black and white. There doesn't exist. We we do model ourselves on the Prophet, but we at the same time acknowledge that people come in different shapes and forms, and Allah has created each soul upon its own kind of shape and i'll give and i'll let and i'll pass the mic to you with this final kind of comparison that my twins were born at the exact same time they had the exact same parents in the exact same condition they were raised wearing the exact same clothes my wife dresses them the same for everything um they they had everything the same yet their characters are worlds apart one likes building blocks and is very independent. One is more of a mummy's boy. He wants to stick around his mom and dad and doesn't like being alone. One is really, one picks things up really quickly and picked up potty training like that. The other one, he's, he's a bit slow with it, but he eventually got there. Um, one's really talkative and one's really shy. So even though they had everything the same, it shows that, that there is an innate nature that Allah has built everyone with. And, you know, masculinity is something that falls into that. Um, and this was off the back of the whole conversation. I posted a bit late, but there was a big conversation around 
what is masculinity with a video of uh, Mufti Menk knitting. So it sparked <laughs> some conversations. So naturally, I thought I should say something, but I posted a bit late on that. But yeah, that's roughly what that post was about. For expanding on that, bro, I think it's something that has to be a constant conversation. And uh, it's I think it's only going to become more and more important as um, different trends that are happening keep keep coming out um, and people keep battling uh, or men at least keep battling within their own selves of what type of trend they should be following and whether they should be following any trend at all. And um, which is why. Muslim men uh, need to be at the forefront of that conversation to provide that guidance because we obviously have the guidance of the best role model uh, and the best role models after him with the companions. Um, so, you know, we, we, we are the ones that can actually give a solid answer to this uh, ever-changing you know, dynamic of, of what it means to be a man. But I don't, I don't want to... <coughs> um, give my own opinions on that i think uh mine line up very well with yours and uh, people are going to get bored of that but so there's another one that i wanted to point out uh, uh which i'd like you to expand on which was you said fathers are human beings too and uh, i found that i related so much to that post um obviously being a father myself but you really brought it home and spoke the truth in terms of what fathers go through too right um you know mothers obviously obviously mothers have uh, a huge role in their children's life and they sacrifice so much to fulfill that role and with that sacrifice they have so many challenges um but sometimes daddy gets overlooked in all of that and uh, i found that it was really good to see um you speaking on that side of things so you know same questions where did that come from and just expand on it a little bit you know what, that post came to my mind. Um, I think it was maybe a couple hours, maybe like literally just after I'd just uh, kind of had a go at my kids. Um, and I was really kind of, I was really kind of, um, I was feeling really bad because it wasn't their fault. They'd done, they did something very minor and I'd come back from work. I was shattered and I was like drained and I had like a salam uh my classes at a salam institute I had um some stuff to catch up on and revision to do and like I was just like so bogged down and tired that I just snapped at them and afterwards like I felt so bad about it and I was just like because I have this fear right we read so much about how in psychology that you know your parents do something and then it affects you and gives you trauma for your the rest of your life and you're now like you know now your child is getting therapy when they're 30 years old talking about how daddy snapped at them all the time like i don't want to be that guy like i fear that one day my kids will like be sitting in the therapist's office saying yeah my dad like he was just like always shouting at me and he was so irritable and he never showed me any love and affection and i would just be like i know that i i know i love my kids and I know that sometimes I get irritated at them too. And that whole post came from the heart really because I wanted to kind of, maybe it's something they'll look back at when they're 10 years old or 12 years old and they can come back to this and see what I was thinking. But it was just kind of like, maybe I'm making an excuse for myself. Maybe I, I just wanted to be real and just say that, look, we, we go through struggles too. We, we because of 
the immense pressure that is on men to actually like be good fathers now because we know that there's a lack of um lack of good fathers lack of good fatherly role models i should say there's a, there's this pressure and with this knowledge that we can mess up our children's lives by doing things wrong it adds extra pressure that you know one day will give and whenever you kind of whenever i do something like this i snap out at my children or i like you know say something out of irritation that i don't necessarily mean and then i feel bad i always have this kind of nagging feeling that oh you shouldn't have done that you shouldn't have done that you shouldn't have done that and then i'm scared so i'm like i i i want to be perfect i want to be the perfect dad that you know raises kids on the dean i want them to grow up and when i when i'm gone they're like yeah our dad taught us invaluable life lessons and we wouldn't have been here without him but then i see these memories and i'm like but will they think that about me if i'm doing stuff like that and i'm i'm motivated to be better i want to be better i want to be able to you know the prophet sallallahu said that the one who the one who is strongest is the one who controls his anger at the time of it emerging so you know that's being paraphrased um but i want to be better um but then i feel so guilty and i was i just wanted to kind of say to the world that look we fathers like we're not perfect as well sometimes we do snap at kids sometimes we're tired sometimes we're financially stressed and we've got a lot on our plate sometimes work is killing us and we want to do things and we want to be the perfect parents for our kids we genuinely do but sometimes it's not that easy on us so please like world please like you know give us a break i feel like i was kind of talking to myself in that post a little maybe trying to tell myself that you know like don't be so harsh on yourself that you know your kids know you love them and just because you shout at them here and there um it's not too bad and i do make an effort if even if i do shout at them afterwards i'll go give them a hug or i'll give them a sweet or something and i'll be like i'm really sorry um i was just really stressed out um i didn't mean what i didn't mean to shout at you and they'll just kids you know alhamdulillah they're so innocent in nature that they'll just kind of like be like it's okay baba and they'll just carry on like it never happened nowadays if you like shout at you know one of your friends like that's it like you know you might have just lost a valuable relationship or for two weeks they're not going to talk to you or if you shout at your wife even like you know and start an argument that's that might stretch for like a few hours and maybe even all night if like you know if you're not careful so subhanallah that i think that post particularly came from the heart for me and i think i needed to hear that post more than more for my i posted that more for myself than i did for other people's benefit if i'm being honest yeah 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 no i i, I can imagine that i think um if i i probably would have done a similar thing and, and in fact i do some some of the posts that i do put on instagram mashallah they're not as extensive as yours i just kind of whatever thoughts come to my mind i put them down but uh, a lot of the times that that is the case is that i feel like i need to just speak to myself really you know writing is a is a form of therapy in terms of being able to get out some of your frustrations and the things that you're thinking about and putting it down in front of you and then you know being able to really reflect on it properly and some of those things do go through my head you know i'm i'm stressed out with with work i, I need to make sure that i'm uh, that work especially working from home I, I don't have that divide now so i need to make sure that i'm not taking the stresses from work out to my wife when you know my wife has been waiting all day to see me and sit down with me and speak to me about what the kids have been doing in the other room and i want to make sure that the kids feel like you know they can they 
they also want to see me and I want to make sure that they feel like they can do that. Like I'm available to them to be able to do that. But there are days when I just cannot, like I've had enough of just everything. Right. And I need to do my own thing. And in my head, I, sometimes I think about these things, like maybe should I, I should just get out and go for a walk, you know, leave them in here, you know, and I'm just, I'm just going to go for a walk. I'll be back in half an hour. And, you know, and, and, and I feel like doing that. And then I think about, well, I'm sure my wife probably thinks about that 24 seven, you know, I'm just going to put these kids down. And I'm going to walk out that door. And I'm going to, I'm going to take time out for myself. And you, you know, you have to remember that, those frustrations are going to be there, but your children are a legacy and to build a legacy, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy, but you, you have to, in that process, always remember like what you said, that you're a human being, right? Like as a father, yes, you have all these, these responsibilities. You do need to bring the money home. You do need to make sure you're being good to your wife. You do need to make sure that you're there for your children. You do need to make sure that you are working to the best of your ability at work and all the other areas you have and all the other responsibilities you have. You, you know, there's all of those things that you need to do them at the highest level. But as a human being, you can only maintain that at the highest level for a certain period and then you're going to burn out and you have to recognize that for yourself or else what's going to happen is those frustrations in your mind of I need to do all those things and I always need to do them very very well you know it, it's it's going to cause you to have those outbursts it's going to cause you more often to be angry and to not show that great character to your family that you're supposed to be having and make you think more about those situations that I just want to work out, walk out of the door right now. And, and those things, you know, those bad moments always come about because you are putting these expectations on yourself that you're more than a human being. You can all do all these responsibilities to the top level all day long. Okay, so we're back after some technical difficulties, but uh, I was basically saying, right, that these frustrations that we have as fathers is because we sometimes we don't see ourselves as human beings or maybe we um, we take those expectations in society that fathers need to uphold all these responsibilities without complaining about them and we apply that to ourselves. And if we just go with the mindset to understand that, yes, we do have these responsibilities, and we need to do them as best as we can. But as a human being, we can only do so much. Then that should mitigate those, um, those, those instances of, of, of just kind of lashing out and, and, and thinking bad of ourselves and wanting to, to just kind of be like, I've had enough. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's what I was saying, but I, that, you know, that, that's what I got from, from your post anyway. And, uh, I think I needed to definitely, uh, read, read what you put out there. So Jazakallah khair, man. Well, yeah, definitely. I think like, it's one of those things that naturally we all strive for Ihsan. And I said that in the post that we all strive for Ihsan. We want to be the best we can and do whatever we can with excellence. But naturally, naturally, as humans, we fall short of that. We want to do a thousand and one things. But even if, you know, we want to reach the stars. But even if, as they say, like, you know, if you if you miss, you reach the moon, which is still quite an achievement. So I think like, you know, I think having healthy expectations of what to expect of yourself as a father and to know that you're a human. And I think, and, and my wife mentioned this point to me and I found it quite profound actually, that when, when I do snap at the kids, the kids are reminded that dad's human, but how I react afterwards also teaches them 
something. So the fact that I come down and, you know, I hug them, I apologize to them. Whereas many people will be like, I'm not apologizing to a child. They're, they're below me. Like, who cares? Like, they, my, my wife said to me that they learn that, you know, they learn to not be arrogant, that if they wrong someone, they should go apologize, even if they're in a position of power. And when I thought about it that way, I was like, okay, I'm not encouraged to shout at them more, but um, at least it makes me feel a little better that, you know, I am human. And in the end of the day, I don't think it's something that you can entirely remove from someone that people get frustrated, right? People will unexpectedly take, take their frustrations out on people. We can strive to minimize that as much as possible, but I've never met a person who's never been angry in his life or who's never you know, kind of uh, been happy all the time or who's always been sad. Like I've, people's emotions change um, and sometimes we don't um, express those in the best ways. But knowing how we deal with what we do afterwards, deal with the consequences sometimes can also be a, a blessing. Definitely. Alhamdulillah. So bro, just before we wrap up, uh, I wanted to ask you, what are you looking forward to the most in the next couple of years? A couple of years with your with your children because they're they're kind of getting to that age where you can do a lot more with them um and uh you know and they're all boys as well so i'm not sure what kind of dynamic that brings to your vision in terms of their next few years but it'd be good to know um there's there's a lot of things i i've always said to my wife that like a lot of people love the young baby stage the most for me i found and i wrote a post about this as well i find that the most difficult stage because <laughs> I'm someone who likes thinking and I'm very logical. Like I like to reason with people. You can't reason with a child. <laughs> you can't reason with a toddler. Anyone try reason with a toddler, please. And you'll find you'll get the kick out of your life. It is not possible. So for me, like the older they get, I get excited at the prospect of, okay, I can start talking to them really. Like I can start having meaningful conversations with them. I could start teaching them things. Like I could start showing them the Kaaba and like, you know, pictures of this and be like, this is where this is. I can start teaching them about Islam. I can, some of the things that I'm looking forward to is very much develop, like I'm looking forward to their intellectual development, something I want them to be crit critical thinkers. I want them to be actively engaging with the world around them. But, you know, I'm also looking forward to just taking them to the zoo because I love going to the zoo and being able to point out to animals and just, see them get excited when they see a lion or a tiger or a giraffe because I get excited when I see animals. I love animals um, and they love animals too. So taking them to the zoo, playing video games with them, which I already do, but right now I don't really play with them. I just give them controllers and they watch me play. Um, yeah. So it would be exciting to see like, you know, take them out on Street Fighter or something and just beat, <laughs> beat, the, beat the crap out of their character. <laughs> or beat them in a beat them on need for speed or something you know so, um something i look forward to those kind of things where we can we can do a lot more um especially they're having interesting conversations with them and developing them intellectually i think that is where i really really am enjoying it, looking forward to 
Mashallah, now that sounds amazing, man. I can't wait, and I'm sure you can't wait for for those moments, man. Inshallah, they're gonna be amazing if Allah gives us life and Allah gives us the ability to continue doing what we're doing. Uh, then then we'll see those we'll see those fruits. Jazakallah khair for coming on, Khaydar. I really appreciate it. I think this was a really good conversation, and we have so much more to talk about. I think you know we've hit kind of over an hour, uh, and it's, it's probably best that we leave everything else for a part two part three um you know whenever you you you're available to come on inshallah let's inshallah. just uh keep it going man um for you so, bro i'll come down anytime inshallah you know, <laughs> when, where and when and i'll i'll be there inshallah uh and uh, just um a quick shout out to your instagram page brothers and well everyone can sort of follow you on there uh just another brother right right yep just dot another dot brother. Good, alhamdulillah. Khair. All right, bro, take care. Assalamu alaikum.